are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. It's a great honor tonight, and uh, I just am really delighted to have with us a great, great missionary, uh, someone who has spent uh, years investing all over the world, uh, missionary Roger Buckland and his family uh, started off in the Philippines, went to Eastern Europe and Czech Republic and uh, in that area, and then are now for the last seven years appointed as the regional director for all of the Pacific. And that is a very large area of the world. It includes Australia, New Zealand, uh, Philippines, Guam, uh, Palau, some of us are going there this summer, and uh, we are just really delighted to have him, a legendary missionary, longtime friend of the Calvary Church, friend of Pastor and Sister Pasley for many, many years, and has been to this church several times, pastored in Ohio for a period of time, Ironton, Ohio, and uh, it's just a great honor for us to have you. Would you give Brother Buckland a warm Calvary welcome tonight? Thank you, Pastor Ellis. God bless you, and what a joy it is to be back at Calvary Church. Wow, God is so good, and you look good. Well, there's one, but, you know, just leave it at that. This church has been very much a part of our ministry and missions, and I just don't know how to express my thank yous to you for that. You have been very, very generous and kind. Amen. I know Brother Pasley's even ministered for me overseas, and Brother Ellis and his ministry has helped us in the Pacific and going to continue to do so. Amen. Just wanted you all to know that. And while I'm on that subject, let me say this. Thank you, church, for sharing your pastor. Amen. Some, some, I remember when I pastored Narton, but that was a river town. I know you're a river city here, but, you know, that was a river town, a little different. Sometimes they got upset when I was gone, and uh, one of our meetings they got together and asked me. Somebody got enough nerve to ask me about it. Says, Brother Buckland, seems like you're gone quite a bit. And I said, well, I said, wouldn't you hate to have a pastor that nobody else ever wanted to hear? So, I mean, just think about that. Amen. And you have a pastor that is well sought after, and you're blessed because of that. I mean, this church has been that way from its inception. The elder Pasleys, and of course, Pastor Norman Pasley uh, third, and now the El- Brother Ellis, they are all well sought after speakers, and so you are blessed to have them. And thank you for sharing with a good spirit. I bring you greetings from my wife tonight. Thank you for allowing her to be gone. Uh, if you've got problems with it, just get over it. We're leaving for the field in, on Tuesday of this next week, and she's got a mound of stuff to get ready for me. And we understand that the ministry that stands up front has a wonderful backing with a wife. Amen. That usually doesn't get all the credit, but I do appreciate my wife very much. Enjoyed 
your hospitality. You've been very kind. I'm standing in a nice room, a very nice room. It's got two or three beds in it, and I can just sleep several times through the night. And a nice welcome basket. Thank you, Sister Prophet. You know, the Bible says that we're to be given to hospitality. So you're a good example of that. Uh, Up here in the front, let me just get my commercials over with. Is that all right? Uh, Oh, put the map up there. This is where I'm a regional director for the Pacific. Uh, It is the largest of all the regions, of the six regions. It's the largest as far as mass. It's not the most land. It's not the most people. We only have about 470 million people in that area. Well, that's that's still a few, okay, 470 million, and as you can see, it spreads way out. From the north, of course, you go across, you can, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but Micronesia's in there somewhere, and Guam, and uh, Palau, where you're going, it's all up in there, and then you have the Philippines over here, you come down, you see Indonesia, you see Indonesia over here, that strip of islands? Well, first of all, the Philippines is 7,000 islands. Indonesia is 17,500 islands. Mm. All right, and it stretches. It stretches off through there. As a matter of fact, the eastern end of uh, Indonesia to the western end end of Indonesia is as wide as San Francisco to New York City. And so the map can't hardly do it justice. Uh, you come down here to Australia. Australia is larger land wise than the United States. And so all of this is in our area. Come out over here. You see New Zealand down there in the south. French Polynesia is well over there. And you come up to the tiny islands such as Samoa, Tonga, Vanuatu, and Kiribati, and Solomon Islands. You see all of those through there. That's where we get to go. And so Monday, I mean Tuesday, uh, right after you're uh, uh, celebrating, I mean after you're getting over your celebrations, we're leaving and we're going to be flying to New Zealand And then after New Zealand, we'll be there for a few days. We'll fly into Fiji for a few days. From Fiji, we'll fly into Australia for a few days. And from Australia, we'll fly to Eastern Europe, to Slovakia, because they're going to be celebrating their 100th anniversary of the Jesus name message coming into that country. So we're going to be busy. That's why my wife's not here. She's trying to build herself up. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I appreciate my wife. Amen. But God's good. Great things are happening. They really are. And I, I want to tell you a bunch, and I, I'm going to talk fast if you'll listen fast. Okay, I've got a flyer. Anybody can have one. They're up here. If you want it, it's there. This tells a little about our family and our ministry over the last few years. This is a flyer from the Pacific region, and it tells it has some of the needs that we have in the Pacific. You're welcome to take one, two, or three. We have them on sale. Okay, as many as you want to get, because we want to spread it out whatever we can about it. Now, the pastor gave me permission. I have a project I'm raising money for. (laughs) It's always fun. Now, what's happening in 2020, we are having a, uh, I'll, I'll call it a planning, strategic planning meeting for the whole region. Okay, we only do this once every five years. We did it four years ago. It'll be five years next year where we ask the superintendents of all of these nations. We have 24 nations. Most of them are island nations that are going to be coming together. And we found a place we're going to meet in Indonesia. And uh, we've rented a hotel there that they're going to stay for two or three days. They're paying their own room. And most of them are paying their own fare. Some of them it's very difficult because like in Tonga and Samoa, they make 
between two and three dollars an hour, and their flight's going to cost them at least fifteen hundred dollars to get there, plus their hotel room. So I'm raising some money to help them. Uh, matter of fact, I've got a budget to raise thirty thousand dollars. You don't have to give it all. <laughs> you don't have to give any if you don't want. But anyhow, in just the last five weeks. I've already raised almost $25,000. Is that fun? That's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. It just shows you what God's people want to do. I just need $5,343.42 to finish that project. And what I've been doing, I've been saying if anybody wants to help, whatever goes in that basket, it looks like a purse. It is a purse. It's from Tonga. But I don't say that because my wife's not here to carry it. I have to carry it, and it doesn't match my shoes. So, but it's, that's there, okay? It's sitting on a cloth from the Philippines, and whatever goes into that after the service is going to go for the project, okay? So if you'd like to help, you know, a dollar, two, five, ten, hundred, Thousand. You know, I was in a service about a month ago. And uh, finish off one portion of this, I still needed about 5600 and some dollars. And, and the pastor said, we're going to give $500 towards that. He told me that while I was presenting it. <laughs> Isn't that great? And so I saw a man come up and talk to him after service. And he called me over and said, Brother Buckland, this man told me he felt directed to give $5,000 to finish that project. I started weeping. I mean, what are you going to do? That's just how God works. Tuesday, the pastor called me. He said, Brother Buckland, this is Brother So-and-so. It was Beulah, Texas. He said, you remember? I said, yeah, I remember being there. How could I forget? He said, you know that guy that promised the money? I said, yeah. He said, well, he went into work, and they, they called him to the office. And they told him, he says, we're going to give you a bonus and your income's going to be increased by $30,000 a year. <laughs> I've heard of that kind of stuff, but I was there. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe God will help you, uh, ask you to give 5 or 10 or $20. Whatever goes. is going. If you want to write a check, okay, you write it to the church right here, Calvary Church. And Pastor Ellis, I have the secretary put it all in one big stack and write a check for the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Or IOUs. I mean, I'll even say that. Okay. Oh, man, wouldn't you love to raise that money? Ah, Be glad it's done. Praise God. Oh, we were on our way back from the region just in October. And my wife, you know, some of these flights, the longest one is from Brisbane to Dallas. It takes 16 and a half hours. (laughs) And, And, you know, it's a long way. It really is. So my wife, we had a presentation we had to make for a youth gathering uh, called Global Connections. And so on her telephone, she just put together a little video clip, and we're going to play it for you right now. So you can, and these are faces from our region, and it's highlighting young people that are involved in either AIM or Next Steps or something like that. And you can picture yourself doing it, okay? Show us that one there, the Global Connections video.
to Indonesia. Philippines, Vanuatu, New Zealand, this is Solomon Islands, Tonga, this is Yam Island, this is Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Samoa, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Philippines, New Zealand, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands. Papua New Guinea Ladies Conference. Solomon Islands. Papua New Guinea again. New Caledonia. Vanuatu, Fiji, American Samoa, Philippines, Fiji, Bible school graduation, Philippines, ordination service. Vanuatu, that's a district presbyter, I mean district superintendent in the Philippines, in his home, Philippine Conference Crusade. New Caledonia, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, Fiji, Caribbean, Philippines. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. February of this year, uh, we had our conference in the Philippines, and it's always a special time. You saw a few pictures back there from the conference in the Philippines, but our 
week services, we use the Cuneta, Cuneta Astrodome where they play basketball downtown Manila, but it only holds between 15 and 17,000 people. And that's where we had our services like on Wednesday through Saturday. But Sunday of this year, we had a crusade service. And in that crusade service, it wasn't going to be large enough. You see, we have 138, uh, 183 churches just in Metro Manila. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Well, the, the church in the Philippines now has 1.25 million constituents. Hallelujah. It's a revival, revival, revival country. And uh, so anyhow... We were planning a big push. Brother Mangan was with us, Anthony Mangan. And so we rented the Marikina Sports Complex, which is a big soccer field. And uh, we rented 25,000 of those white plastic chairs, you know. We put those all through the infield. As a matter of fact, people went by. Uh, the service was scheduled for Sunday at 6 o'clock. Oh, these are some drone pictures from the uh, crusade, if you'll... We had a drone there taking pictures. There's a couple of them. He'll switch them back and forth every now and then. It was quite a crowd, folks. As a matter of fact, the police estimated 42,000 people were there. Now, let me tell you how this works. The service was scheduled to start at 6 o'clock. People went by at 1 o'clock. The entire infield was already full. You want me to tell you what the word is? It's hunger. 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 The word is hunger. Amen. And so Brother Mangan got up and started preaching. And in, in the middle of his message, he only preached about 20 minutes. Don't get your hopes up. Okay. <laughs> he only preached about 20 minutes. And in the midst of that, he said, he talked about the Holy Ghost. Well, people jumped up and started running down to the front. And the usher stopped them. We had an aisle here and an aisle there. And it was about 15 people wide, the aisle was. They stopped them, and so they just started stacking up back as far as you could see. You see, you see the crowd. They were waiting for him to say, okay, you can come and get the Holy Ghost. That's the first time I've seen people stop people coming to get the Holy Ghost. He stopped them. He said, wait till I'm done. Amen. Hallelujah. So he got done in a little bit, and he said, okay, come on. And when he said, okay, it was like dust started flying everywhere. People were running up to the front. And before we left that night, over 8,000 people had received the Holy Ghost for the first time. Whoa, hallelujah. The Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. You know what? I just had a, I don't know, I just had a, flash through my brain. I think we have enough churches in Cincinnati that we could combine and have a thousand soul day filled with the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't that be great? We're in a big stadium somewhere. All the churches come together, bring all the lost that you know, and God anoint that day with a great outpouring, and you have a thousand people get the Holy Ghost in one day? Why not? Why not? It's God's church. I just, I'm sorry, that wasn't in my notes. I just thought that. You want to see a little clip from the crusade? All right, don't sleep. It's only a minute long. All right, show us. Hallelujah. Sound. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at the sea of people. Wow. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. And like I said, the key word is hunger. Where there's hunger, God responds. God responds to hunger. Would you like to stand with me? And I'm going to give you a scripture reading. I think I got all the preliminaries done. And I've got about 20 minutes. And I will finish in time. Or you can leave. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I might not should have said that. Okay. Psalm 37 and verse number 23. The scripture says, The steps of a good man are ordered. Pause there on that word, ordered. The steps of a good man are ordered, I don't, okay, by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Amen. You may be seated. I've been to a symphony. I was raised in Indianapolis, you know, just a suburb of Cincinnati over there. And uh, Indianapolis, great city, really is. I remember going to school there as a kid and, and, uh, I was blessed. My parents came in the church when I was one year old. But I remember, it must have been somewhere around second grade or so, I was in school and they were talking about music. I had a music class. You know how they do for the little kids. And and I remember them talking about this music class. And they said, we're going to give a test for music. And the ones who get the best grade, we're going to take to a symphony. You're going to miss school and we're going to take you downtown to a symphony. Oh, man, I wanted to miss school. (laughs) Some of you can identify. Uh, So I tried my best. And thank God for multiple choice. I got one of the highest grades. And uh, I got to go to the symphony. (laughs) It was my first time. It was so neat. It really was. I, I sat back there in the place they had us sitting as the school. Just these little kids. And I watched all those musical instruments. I mean, I saw them playing those violins. It made me think of brushing my teeth. You know, I don't know what it was about it. That's how I felt at that time. And, and the big cellos and the timpanis and all of those instruments. And I thought, man, this is something. You know, that back then they called them the uh, director's long hairs. They did. That was back when I was young. And that's till the Beatles came in. Then they stopped calling them long hairs. But they called them long hairs. The, the man who would, man, it was neat. It really was. I, I liked it. <laughs> I missed school. Uh, and then, it's quite interesting. Uh, years later in my life, when God directed us, ordered our steps, if I could say it like that, we became the very first missionaries of the United Pentecostal Church to the country of the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia, which is a city of music. It really is. I mean, and I remember being there, and on our, our tradition, I would take my wife to the symphony on Christmas. 
It would be so cold, and we lived close to the city, the center, so we'd walk, and we'd bundle up. I had her this little Russian hat, and she'd bundle up in her coat, and we'd crunch on the ice and the snow, walk into the the big theater where they would have the symphony perform, and and it was neat. I mean, I loved it. It was great. You know, you'd be cold, and you go in, and you check your coat, and they'd give you a number, and and then we'd be sitting way up there, because that's where I could afford, and, and it was hot up there, and... My wife enjoyed the concert, and I had a good nap. Music, it was something. But I learned some things that one man usually writes all of those notes for every one of those instruments. That just boggled my mind. One one man writes the notes for the trumpet, the trombone, the violin, the bassoon, the piccolo, you know. Oh, he writes those notes. They're all chicken scratches on a page. And, and if any of them played theirs by themselves, it wouldn't sound that good. But when you blend them all together, it's kind of neat. It really is. And, and matter of fact, Mozart used to live in the city of Prague where we lived. Mozart, they tell me he wrote his first symphony when he was five years old. Really? He was, and as the composer, he had to be able to hear that music before he wrote the scores down. That's, that's what they can do. It's kind of like an artist. They can see, you look at it, it doesn't look like anything, but they see what they're doing, you know. And, and a composer does the same thing with music. And so he can write the scores for each of those instruments. Wow interesting little story over there in Eastern Europe. I heard this. Uh, there was a man that went to visit a cemetery from this famous composer who had died. And, and so he wanted to go to the gravesite. And so when he went in, the curator of the, of the cemetery was there. And so he walked up and asked him, he says, is so-and-so's grave here? And he said, oh yeah, a lot of people want to come. He said, just follow this path down to about the fifth row and turn left and go over there several. And you usually see a crowd of people and they have it lit up his his place and you can go there and see it. So he, he made his journey back and he, and he stopped and he noticed something strange and all the people were there and he read the stuff and about the, about, so as he was leaving, he stopped by the curator's place and he says, the curator said, did you find it? He said, yeah, I found it. He said, but there was something strange. He said, I heard music playing. He said, oh yeah, yeah, we got the music playing there. And he said, but I thought I recognized it, but it was one of his compositions, but it was being played backwards. The curator said, oh, yeah, he's decomposing. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just checking on you to see if you're with me. Okay. <laughs> oh, I just had to do something. It's Wednesday night. But what if your life was a composition and God wrote the score of your life? This verse says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I kind of got a feeling that God knows your life, that God knew it before you were born, 
and that possibly there was a blank score sheet, and he began to put in the notes of your life. What if that was the case? I'll tell you what if that was the case. You would have confidence to know that somebody knows where you're at. Somebody knows what you're going through. Somebody knows what page you're on. And that somebody has completed your composition. Amen. Hallelujah. I just, when I think about it, I mean, I go to McDonald's and I order a hamburger. I usually order it plain. I don't care for all the stuff on it. You know, most people have to hide the taste. I like the taste. So I don't want the ketchup and the slop on it. I just want the burger and the meat and the bread, you know. So that's how I order it. I said, please, just the burger and the bread, you know. And I order it that way. And sometimes they give it to me that way. But it's nice to know that when something's ordered, it follows through on how it was ordered. And God has ordered your life. He's ordered your steps. You said, oh, wait a minute, that says steps of a good man. I'm not a good man. Wait a minute. You go back to Genesis. It says that when God created man, he's looked at him and said, he's good. Very good. So, yeah, we were created good to start with. Some people got off the page. Okay. Amen. So, I, I, when I think about this, I just got one example that I want to talk about in the Bible. And, oh, I better tell you. I'm going to tell you the, the title of my message because I worked harder on that. Well, no, I just worked on it. Uh, the title is, Just Suppose It Was Composed. Five little words. If you can memorize those, just suppose it was composed the next time you go through a valley. The next time you go through a tight spot. The next time something hits you you're not ready for. Just suppose it was composed. Now, I don't understand God. I don't understand all about Him. I don't understand the ups and the downs. I don't understand all of that. But I do know that He is the author of our lives. He is the author of our lives. So Joseph, I don't understand what he went through. You don't either, I don't think. Joseph, he, he was quite an example. You know, he told his brothers uh, about this dream he had, how that they would all bow down to him, and, and uh, his mom and dad also would bow down to him, and they didn't like him very good. So they put him in a pit and sold him down the river, the Nile River, if you could say it, okay? Now, I can't think of anything worse than being betrayed by those you love the most. And listen, we're, we're in a society today where a lot of people have been betrayed. And I know in a congregation this side, there's probably somebody here that's been betrayed. I'm not trying to point any of that out. I'm just telling you something. Joseph was betrayed by those he loved the most. How could he stand it? I don't know. Just he gives more grace when you need it. I just know that. Uh, not only that, he, he was sold there 
in Egypt. You know the story. Most of you do. This is growth night, I think, as far as the word. He was sold there in Egypt, and, and then he was lied on and thrown into prison there. How can you withstand all of that? I think he knew five words. Just suppose it was composed. And I, I can bear that out, really, when you read in Genesis chapter number 50, I think, when uh, his brothers came to him after their dad died, and they said, oh, no, no, dad said, do you treat us good? He said, don't worry about it. He said, don't you worry about it, because he told them these words in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph said to them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. How can betrayal be good? I don't know. I just know that God needed a man in Egypt to save the whole nation. And the means he took to get them there, that's up to God. And so Joseph had to get in his mind, just suppose my life was composed. And if I can believe that today, I can make it to heaven. You can make it to heaven. Hallelujah. I remember when we first went to the Czech Republic. Now, this is a country that had been under the communist reign for over 40 years, all right? You got to know that. And uh, it was tough. It really was. I mean, <laughs> I was talking with Pastor Ellis before church. You know, we were in the land of revival in the Philippines, and then God picked us up from that and dropped us over there. Didn't make a bit of sense. Matter of fact, in my last service in the Philippines, I saw more people get the Holy Ghost in that one service than I did in my whole 19 years in Prague. <laughs> but I felt good. I was in the will of God. That's the secret. If you understand that you're where God put you, you're going through what God allowed. He wrote the score of your life. He wrote the score of my life. And if I can come to grips with that, I can make it. And you can make it. Amen. So we got there and would you know it, we were there just a few months. I got there in the month of August and we had a meeting in September. They came to our city, uh, a planning group for the conference for Europe for, for the next year in August. And uh, in that meeting, Brother Rodenbush, our regional director, said, Brother Buckland, we want to come to Prague for the conference. I said, great. I couldn't even find a street name anywhere. He said, all right, here's what you got to do. We're going to have to have five translation equipment things. I think you do two of them here. You got, we're going to have to have at least five different translation things. We've got to have housing, real cheap housing for people who can't afford it in hostels. Then we've got to have housing for our international guests that are coming in a nice hotel. You get all of this together and get it ready for us in 12 months. I mean, no, not 12, about 10 months. Folks, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was grueling. I would go out in the morning and I'd try to walk those. I couldn't even find street signs. They don't do it like they do here. And I couldn't read them. You know, you look like you're at the optometrist office. QXZVW. It didn't make sense. You know, they didn't have vowels hardly. And we were, oh man, I was trying my best. And, and here, then he told me we're going to have Billy Cole be the evangelist. Billy Cole? 
He needs a translator. Okay. I didn't know what I was going to do. Months were going by and I couldn't. Oh, man. I remember I, I was, did some paperwork. This was very soon after the fall of communism. And under communism, you couldn't have a copy machine or anything like that. They only had certain areas in the city you could go make copies. And, and I remember having all this stuff for headquarters. You know, they didn't want missionaries and people like that. And so I remember standing in line down there trying to hide my papers. I was going to get copies because headquarters requires us to send reports. Thank you, Sister Stephanie, for sending your report from when you were there. Hallelujah. I think you sent it. Okay. I had all kind of reports, financial, and I was standing in line. And did, you ever, did you ever feel eyes on you? You know, I'm here in this former communist country, and I'm standing there trying to get things copied, which they didn't allow that kind of stuff most of the time, unless you're, and I kind of feel these eyes on the back of me. And, you know, you do the neat things. You drop a pen. <laughs> you know, and in the Philippines, you know, I, I stood out because I was white. But everybody there was white, you know. And so I saw this guy. I figured out who it was looking at me. He's the guy right behind me. And so I, after a little bit, he says, <clears throat> He said, are you a missionary? And I said, who's asking? <laughs> he said, well, I'm an American. I'm here doing missions work. I said, oh, yeah, I'm a missionary. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, I got talking with him a little bit, and he said, uh, Prague's 1.3 million people. I mean, it's not a little place, okay? And so we were talking, and I said, man, we got this conference coming. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need a translator. And, and he said, oh, you need a translator. I said, yeah, I need a translator. And he said, I got just the guy for you. I said, who's that? He said, the Pope. Oh, thank you, Jesus. His name was Milos Pope. And uh, so I, I said, okay, let me, let me meet with this guy. He called him, and so we set up this uh, place to meet and met at the subway not the sandwich shop, but underground. And uh, we met there on a platform. I said, I'll wear this big floppy hat. And I had this old Texan hat, Aussie hat, and I wore it. And he found me there. And we began to talk. And, and you know, it had to be a particular kind of guy. Because in, in the Czech Republic, especially during that time, anything religion was very staid. That's why God sent me there. It's very formal, if I could say it like that. And so I knew that, you know, I just couldn't have a, a boring guy standing up there. And so I talked to Milos. I said, now, Milos, the man that's coming, I've got to tell you something about him before we'll agree to this. And he said, what's that? I said, we are Pentecostal. We speak in other tongues. I just told him. He said, well, it's great. I speak in other tongues. I said, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's a check mark. <laughs> I said, now listen, the guy that's coming, his name is Billy. He believes in miracles. I mean, he prays for people and they get healed. I just want you to know that up front. He said, well, that's great. I pray for people and they get healed. (gasps) Oh, hallelujah, check mark. I said, God, you're good. And I said, well, there's one more thing. This man served as a missionary to Thailand. He jumped off off his seat. He said, I just returned from Thailand. I went on a missions trip to Thailand. And I said, you're the man we need. Hallelujah. And what are the chances... 1.3 million people, and you're standing in a line 
where God intersects with somebody to be able to do the translation that I needed. It's only one answer to that. Just suppose it was composed. Just thank you that I had to do reports. Because it was composed. Oh, listen to me today. You know, the rear view mirror is the best place for you to look to see how God has blessed your life. It really is. It is. Can, do you have time for one more story? You do, because I looked at my watch. I got my watch here. Okay. I changed the time today to this time. Okay. So it's seven minutes till 8.30. So let me tell you this. I might have told you before. Has anybody here ever been to Zam- uh, no, uh, Yeah, Zamboanga. Zamboanga. Anybody been to Zamboanga? It's in the Philippines. No? <laughs> you just have to believe me. Zamboanga was on the complete other end of our island. That was a big island, okay? It was a big island. And I, you, sometimes I would drive. I would ask the nationals. It was like 10, 12-hour drive to get there, maybe longer. Yeah, longer, about 12, 13, 14 hours to get there. But I would ask them because we had to drive through in, uh, the part of the island that was all of another religion, Okay, that weren't very happy about us being there. And so they would kind of test the waters and tell me if it was good to drive or not. So this time we had Brother Johnny Wilhoit with us, and he was going to go with me to Zamboanga. So they said, no, it's too, too dangerous to drive. Let's take the boat. So we did. We drove about five and a half hours to Cotabato City, and that night we got on the boat. I left my car there with a man to guard it in Cotabato City. We got on a boat and we were going to take the boat all night and get to Zamboanga to the next morning. Okay, now these boats are kind of neat, you know. It, uh, they're designed to hold about 500 people. Okay, we stepped on the boat and there was about 1,500 people on there. Every available spot was... I mean, it really was. That hammock swinging and... Oh, it was something. And everybody smoked. Oh... So we stepped down into the hall of that thing, and poor Brother Wilhoyt, he's about this tall, and I'm this wide, and so we're trying to, and then we got our Filipino guide, he's this big, and so I, I didn't know what we were going to do, we couldn't hardly breathe, and I didn't know, so I, I got a hold of some guy who's in charge, and I began to talk to him, I said, listen, I've got a guest with me from North May, he's not used to this kind of stuff, is there a place we can go where we can breathe, you know? He said, well, wait, wait till we get past the crocodiles. And I'll come and get you. That was their word for the Coast Guard. Okay, so uh, about an hour and a half, two hours later, he came and got us and took us up on the deck. We finally could breathe again up on the deck and full of soldiers, all these soldiers with all their guns and rifles and uh, armor lights, which are machine guns, and they're all up there, and that's where they rode and and uh, now I didn't have any problem. I lived there long enough. I just laid out in the middle of the thing and went right to sleep. I'm good at that. I mean, I mean, I can do it. <laughs> Started when I was a kid, growing up in church. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I could go right to sleep. And so I laid right out there on that deck of that boat and went right to sleep. And I woke up. It was pouring down rain. I was getting soaked. Water was going in my mouth because I sleep with my mouth open and. 
about to gag and I'm start trying to get up and get up. They're all standing there underneath the cove laughing at me. And oh man, I'm wiping all that water off and didn't know what was going to happen. And so we're standing over there talking and, and uh, about that time I heard a thump on the side of the boat. And I said, what's that? Well, so she said, oh, he said, it's just pirates. He said, yeah, yeah, they, anytime we go over close to Indonesia, they come out and they try to get on our boat. <laughs> they take their, you know, they come beside us and they hit and they throw the ropes and they climb up. And he said, don't worry, we're here. I said, okay. <laughs> it was a wonderful ride that night. So we get in to Zamboanga about four in the morning. Oh, man. They won't let us get off. We had to wait for the Muslim call to prayer. They have the Muslim call to prayer. And in about four o'clock, that big noise goes off. And, and they get out their rugs and they all kneel and start praying. I will say they are devoted. They are devoted. And so after the prayer, they said, okay, you can get off. So we get off the boat. And, well, we have to get on a bus to get out in the mountains where the, you know, where the church is at. So, uh, but the bus depot is not there. So we get on a tricycle. Uh, that's a motorcycle with a little sidecar. I've seen 10 to 15 Filipinos on one of those things. I had my own, and Brother Wilhoyt had his own. And so we're going across the city. We get to the bus stop. We get on this bus. They look like our buses, but the, the, only the cutout for the windows. There's no glass in it. And wooden benches that are not screwed down. We get on this bus and we're riding out there up these mountains. And, oh, it was something, I'm telling you. You know, belching all that smoke. And finally, they stop up there in the top of the mountain somewhere. And there's this path. And our brother Mariano Libre, he was our guide. He was the district superintendent. He said, this is where we get off. And I said, okay. So then we have to walk up this path about two miles. Up. Get to the church. And so I get there and uh, two minutes. Okay. So I get there and I tell Brother Wilhoyt he's preaching and he did a good job. He was a, he was a missionary in Mexico and so he knew Spanish and he, he knew how to play the guitar but he didn't have a pick so he got his comb out and started playing Alavare, 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 mi señor. And so we, we had a good service and he preached and we had lunch. Chicken and rice. It was great. Chicken and rice up there. Uh, hallelujah. And I don't know what it was. They, they started talking to us. They said, now you're going to a church tonight. You have to go back down the, the uh, couple miles back down to the road and catch the bus and take it up around the mountain and over the mountain. And it's over there. And we said, okay. They said, now there's two buses you can catch. Catch the first one. Because they said the second one, it's towards the evening and it gets full and you won't have any room. I said, okay. So we start back. And I don't know what happened. I started getting so sleepy. Oh, I mean, super sleepy. I mean, really sleepy. I don't know if it was the chicken. I don't know if it was the long night. I don't know the heat or a combination, probably. So I looked at Brother Wilhoyt, and I said, I'm sleepy. He said, man, I can hardly hold my eyes open. I turned to Brother Lieber. I said, I'm, he said, let's see if we can find a place to rest. And so I found this little Nipa house over there, which is made out of grass. 
had a porch on the front and nobody was home. I said, let's crawl up there and take a quick nap. We did. Immediately. I mean, I don't know how long we slept, but I woke up first. And I jumped up. I said, we've got to get going. So we, got, we start jogging down this path. I was younger. Uh, we start jogging down this path. And <laughs> we get to the road and there went the bus. We had just missed the bus. Huh. So I carried a chess board with me. Brother Libra and I sat there on that bench and played chess. And Brother Will Hoyt and I took care of all the problems of the United Pentecostal Church while we were sitting there. And not a so a little Filipino boy showed up and he shimmied up a coconut tree and cut us off a coconut. And we got to refresh ourselves a little bit. Nobody is barren out there. I mean, we're sitting there. And then I see it coming. The bus, I can see the dust. Here it comes. And the closer the bus got, the slower it got. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Filipinos appeared out of nowhere. They were probably hiding behind a coconut tree. I couldn't do that. And they would run beside the bus. They'd jump on those open windows. And they'd crawl in the open windows. And by the time it stopped, it was full. We stepped up in that bus. And there was one little spot. And I told Brother Will Hoyt, I said, you're my guest. You get over and sit down. And he said, okay. And then there was another spot about that big. And Brother Libre said, you're our missionary. You can have that. And I said, I can't have that. I said, you're older than me. You sit there. I'll stand. Yeah, I did. So I stood. I stood there in the middle of that bus. I was holding my luggage. And here we go. It's belching smoke and his terrible smell. And we're going up around that mountain. And then, folks, have you ever knew you were going to be really embarrassed I started getting sick. The bus doesn't stop. And that window's as close as that window. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was trying my best to swallow and... Stand there and keep from swaying as much as I could. You know, it's just a bad deal. It really is. And the bus is, you have to know I'm over there. And it comes up around that corner and starts around a turn. And then the sickness left me. I wasn't sick anymore. Hallelujah. (laughs) Because when I looked out the window, I saw the first bus had gone over the side of the mountain. Filipinos were strewn among the rocks. And God had sent a sleep to keep us from getting on that first bus. And you know what? God has done something for every one of us. We, many times we don't even know it. Many times we don't even know it. Stand with me and I'll know it's time to stop. My, my boys and I my, my oldest son plays the trumpet, and I play the trumpet, and my young son played the trombone. So my wife plays the keyboard. So <laughs> when we was getting ready to go to Czech Republic, since they were music people over there, we got us a, a group together called the Buckland Brass and Ivory. <laughs> the name was better than the music. But anyhow, 
we were practicing one day, and one of my boys was hitting the wrong note, and I stopped him, and I said, listen, one of you are hitting the wrong note, you know. And I said, let's try it again. My wife's on the keyboard, and we phone and start, and there it Somebody's hitting the wrong note. And I tell him, I said, all right, somebody's hitting the wrong note. And one of my boys, I won't tell you which one, he said, Dad, it's you. I said, I've been playing longer than you. you know. He said, ask Mom. <laughs> so I asked Mom, and she said, yeah, it's you. <laughs> Come to find out, the notes were moving on my page. And I come to find out I needed glasses. I, I had never worn them and I didn't know, but that's when I discovered I needed glasses. And then after I got the glasses, everything lined back up again. And you know, sometimes we get off the notes that were written for our life. You see, our steps have been ordered, but sometimes we get off of that and we need some correctiveness. That's why we have Wednesday night church. Amen. I've got some more stories, but I might get to come back sometime. Amen. But I want to tell you tonight, in regards to your life, just suppose it was composed. And you can trust the composer. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.